Today we're going to talk about this issue of unforgiveness. This issue of unforgiveness and what it does. I don't need to convince anyone, I don't believe, here this morning, I don't need to convince anyone that unforgiveness will destroy you. Unforgiveness will destroy you of relationships. Unforgiveness, fact is, Dr. Benson uh, uh, from in a, in a Harvard conference said this, when you do not forgive, medically it will chew you up from the inside out. Now, now Jesus said that thousands of years ago. The Bible said that thousands of years ago, that an unforgiving spirit, when you harbor that, will destroy you from the inside out. And the reason that God was able to use Joseph at the level that he was is because Joseph came to the place to where he could forgive. Listen, let me just tell you here this morning, God will never use you in your family, in your community, in your church at the level that he wants to use you if you have an unforgiving spirit. Oh, and let me tell you this, that when you have an unforgiving spirit, I have got to tell you, do you realize it? Only, not only the person that has hurt you that you realize that, that you will not forgive, it prevents you from forgiving others as well. I mean, there's some things that happen in your life. There's some things that happen when you harbor an unforgiving spirit. And Joseph had come to the point where God had used him greatly because he learned to forgive. See, about 20 years prior to where we're going to pick up the story this morning, his brothers hated him. His brothers, what the scripture says, could not speak a kind word about him. His brothers premeditated murder. They threw him in a pit. And then the scripture says, after they threw him in a pit, Joseph thought he was going to die. No food, no water. They sat around the top, the, the hole in the ground, and they sat down, and they ate dinner. Man, how cold that their brother is in the pit, probably going to starve to death and die. And then they drug him out, and they sold him into slavery, and we've, we've looked at that whole deal. And so comes Genesis chapter 42. You see, Joseph had been serving faithfully. Thirteen years, he had, he had been a slave because of their actions. He had been in prison, and, and he went through great difficulty. And then, because he interpreted a dream, he became vice president of, of Egypt, a, a powerful position. He had territorial rights. He had, he had rights over the grain and over everything. And so remember the dream that Joseph had, 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 had interpreted. Interpret, interpreted there'd be seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine so joseph had gone through the seven years of prosperity and very judiciously had taken and set aside a fifth of the grain of everybody's grain in the in, in the area and then they're about two years now into the famine and Joseph is the one, it was part of his job to give out the grain when families came that were in need. Genesis chapter 42, Jacob sends his sons, says, go talk to Pharaoh. They didn't know they'd be talking to Joseph. Go talk to Pharaoh and get some grain so we do not starve to death. And, and so they come and, and they recognize Joseph, but Joseph, Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize Joseph because the last time they had been together, Joseph was 17 years old. He's 40 years old now. Your body goes through a lot of changes between 17 and 40, right? I mean, one, one person said there's three, age, there, there's three uh, stages of life. Youth, middle age, and you're looking good. And, and you know what? That's really right. And so Joseph had changed a lot since 17. Not only that, he was a Hebrew, uh, and he was raised a Hebrew, and now he's in G Egypt. He's vice president of Egypt, which is unheard of for a Hebrew, a Hebrew to have that position. And he's in the Egyptian garb. I mean, he's in the Egyptian dress. So they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And they bow down, and they, get, and they want great. 
This is Joseph's opportunity to get even, to retaliate, to make them pay, to get revenge. What would you do? What would you do if that person came to you that you were unwilling to forgive, that it hurt you deeply? How would you have treated that individual and that group of people if you hadn't come to the place of forgiving them? There is no way that you could treat them in a way that would honor God. There's three steps that we're going to look at this morning of the process of forgiveness. I'm not going to spend any time on telling you why you should forgive. Here's what I believe. I believe if you're a Christ follower and you have unforgiveness in your heart, you know this morning you need to forgive. You know this morning it is chewing you up on the inside out. You know this morning it is affecting your life. It could be affecting your health. It could be affecting your relationship. So I'm not spending any time on that. I'm going to help you this morning with this three-step process, how we know, how we forgive, what is total forgiveness, what the Bible says. The first one is this, is I will, will release my right to retaliate forever. When I forgive, when you forgive, you release your right to retaliate forever. The most common word in the New and the Old Testament for the word forgiveness means to, to, to let go. It means to, to send forth. It means to, to, to send away. It means to, uh, to let go of one's power over or possession. It means, to, it means to let go so it no longer occupies your mind. Right? Isn't that what unforgiveness does? Unforgiveness lives in your mind rent-free. And it just takes, and it just occupies your mind. Forgiveness is, 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 is a willingness. It's a deliberate willingness to let go of something. And listen, just so we're clear, God is not asking you, and God is not asking us, to let it go haphazardly into some black hole of non-existence. Forgiveness means this. For me, forgiveness means letting go so God can deal with it. Forgiveness is not saying it is not a big deal. Forgiveness is not saying it did not hurt me. Forgiveness is not saying I deserved it. Forgiveness is not saying I should sweep it under the rug and ignore it, it ever happened. Forgiveness is not any of that. Biblical forgiveness is, yeah, it hurt. And it devastated me. But I choose to let go of, to send away from. I choose to let God deal with it. Because here's the crummy thing about unforgiveness. When you have an unforgiving spirit, God has to deal with you and them. And God has to bring you to the point and me to the point so that we are willing to forgive. You see, if Joseph hadn't forgiven them, do you realize he had the power to hunt them down and make them pay? He didn't have to wait till they came to him. He had the power. He's vice president. I mean, he had the power to settle the score. And Joseph understood what forgiveness was and is. And so when we're hurt and when we're betrayed, we forgive and we say, God, we leave it up to you and we give it to you to deal with. It is not my job to make them pay. It is not my job to get even. And Joseph had changed and they did not recognize him. And 
And Joseph could have said, this is my chance to get even. I'm going to send them away empty-handed. They ain't going to tell them it's me. They're going to starve. After all, they're the ones that threw me in the pit to starve. I'm going to treat them the way they treated me. Joseph could have made them beg for mercy. Maybe like he begged for mercy when they threw him in the pit and they had dinner outside the pit and he's down there begging for mercy. Please don't do this. I'm going to starve to death. I'm going to die. Maybe Joseph, if he hadn't forgiven, would have done that. Maybe Joseph even, if he hadn't forgiven, would have said, I am your brother. And you think I'm going to give you food after what you did to me? Or maybe I am your brother. And God has been so good to me. He has blessed me greatly. You guys can't even hurt me. He could have, excuse me, he could have humiliated them the way they humiliated him. Do you realize he had the power even at that point to torture them, to execute them? It was all within his right, his power. Many times we, if we're not careful and we have an unforgiving spirit, we retaliate today and we may retaliate legally. We may retaliate financially. J. Paul Getty was said that he changed his will to over 21 times as, family member, as he got mad at family members and cutting them in and out of the will. Maybe we retaliate verbally with attacks, with words. One of the most dangerous ways we retaliate today is we recruit people for our cause. That we get as many people around us to to agree about how bad they hurt us and what they did to us. A lot of times, even in marriage, the way that we retaliate is just kind of the cold shoulder. That you either do what I want you to do or I'm going to remove my affection from you. I'm going to remove my emotion from you. I'm going to remove my... Uh, relationship with you I'm going to remove my friendship from you and when you ask me what is wrong I'll tell you nothing and then when you when I feel like you have paid enough and I've punished you enough then I'll restore a relationship if we're not careful we do that in marriage Uh, an an angry wife one time told her husband says I can't wait for you to die and when you die I'm going to dance on your grave so he went down and got a prearranged burial at sea So if we're not careful, we'll do that maritally. The second process that we go through for forgiveness is this, is I will do my part to restore the relationship. That I will do my part to restore. Now, we just got to understand something here this morning. A lot of times, the barrier to forgiveness is this, is a lot of people believe forgiveness and reconciliation is a single act. It is the same thing. It is not. Okay? Forgiveness, one-sided. Reconciliation, two-sided. In fact, it is the, very, the, the, the very meaning of the word reconciliation means to change mutually. Two parties willing to change. And so many times we do not understand that. And what, what we're going to see is, is Joseph understood that forgiveness is an act. It's something that he has to do. 
But reconciliation takes both parties changing. Total forgiveness is willing to do my part to reconcile when there's been a hurt or when there's been a problem and Joseph begins to carry them through a series of, of tests and, and it may seem kind of weird. You can read the story. We're going to skim it this morning, but all the different things that Joseph sent them through, but, but here's the reason he did that. They didn't know who he was. He wanted them to dis- demonstrate repentance. He wanted them to demonstrate that, you know what, you have changed. So many times that's the reason people have trouble with forgiveness is because they believe forgiveness and reconciliation is a single act and they forgive and they immediately reconcile and then they get hurt again. And they said, that's it, I'll never, I'll never forgive. I mean, if you've forgiven someone and they haven't changed their behavior, you may not be able to reconcile with them. Depending on the level of abuse, depending on how destructive the relationship is. And, oh, and, and can I just tell you this? That there is a difference of forgiving someone and trusting someone. Joseph had forgiven. But he carries them through a ser- series of tests so that he knows that they have not only changed, but he could trust them. I, I hear this all the time as a pastor. She says she forgave me, but she doesn't trust me. My mom and dad say they forgave me, but they don't trust me. That's because forgiveness and trust, two different things. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. And we've got to understand that, and we've got to understand as Joseph takes them through a series of tests, and and that's why he didn't immediately reveal himself to his brothers. He kind of kind of kept it a, a secret and maybe it was because he wasn't prepared for that day i mean have you ever been unprepared for meeting someone that has hurt you deeply in the past even though you've forgiven them either you ran into them in a restaurant you ran into them to, at a party you ran into them at church and all of a sudden you're face to face with that individual and you kind of need to collect your thoughts or your emotions even though you've forgiven them you haven't seen them in years maybe that was joseph Maybe Joseph still had to work on some forgiveness that he didn't realize. But I believe the re- because, of the reason, because of the test that he sent them through is he wanted to know that they had changed. He needed to know before he could wreck it. He'd forgiven them. But he needed to know, are my brothers still liars? Are my brothers still self-centered to where they only care about themselves? Are my brothers still dishonest? Are my brothers still jealous of Benjamin like they were of me? Remember, Joseph and Benjamin were, were, were sons of Rachel, Jacob's favorite. And one of the reasons that his brothers treated him so badly is because they knew their dad loved Rachel more than they loved he loved their mom. So do they still have jealousy in their life? He may have needed to know, do they love dad? 20 years ago, I know they didn't love dad. They didn't care anything about dad. And so Joseph shows great restraint, Genesis 42, 13. And they said, we, we your servants, and 12 brothers, the sons of one man, the land of Canaan, and behold, 
the youngest is this day. Okay, that's Benjamin. The youngest this day with our father, and one is no more. They told the truth. They told the truth. He learned some things that day. Dad is still alive. He probably wondered, is dad still alive? Is Benjamin still alive? Because they were close. And so Joseph says, I, I, I want you to leave one brother here as a security deposit, and I want you to go back, and, and I want you to get Benjamin. I, I, want, I want to see if you're telling the truth. Genesis 42, 21, and 24. Then they said to one another, and this is important. Okay, so they're looking at Joseph. They don't realize he's a Hebrew. They don't realize he understands their language. They're, they think he's an Egyptian, okay? There's an interpreter, a part of this, but the interpreter is saying nothing to Joseph, so they believe that Joseph doesn't understand what they're saying, okay? So here we go. In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. You never get away with anything. Man, I'm telling you, a false belief is this, is that when someone hurts you, they go on and live like nothing ever happened. That is a lie. That is a false belief. Guilt had been destroying those guys for what they did to their brother 20 years ago. They're still living under the guilt. Nobody ever gets away with anything. In that, we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us. So Joseph begged for his life. And he begged us, and, and we did not listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. Their guilt is destroying them. Joseph probably sat for, the, for 13 years in prison thinking, my brothers have gone on and lived a happy life. They got what they wanted, and they're living like nothing ever happened. Listen, that is a false belief. I have a close friend that is a counselor. And for 25 years, he worked in a state hospital, and he did group therapy and dealt with some horrendous things. And he says, Charlie, I'm telling you, people that have committed some horrendous acts that appear, appear to be cold-blooded, they still dare, deal with guilt in their conscience. Your conscience is a powerful motivator. Okay? And Reuben answered them, did I not tell you? not to sin against the boy, but you did not listen. So now there comes a day of reckoning for his blood. It's like they knew this day was going to come. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. But remember, I told you the interpreter wasn't saying a word. Then he turned away, Joseph, from them and wept because he realized they know what they did. They know how deeply it hurt me. They didn't go on in life like nothing ever happened. They knew what they did to me. And he returned to them and spoke to them. And he took Simon from them and bound him before their eyes. This is the first time that Joseph realized that they, they knew when you commit a terrible offense that is not reconciled, your conscience will continue to destroy you and trouble you. And Joseph learned that they knew what they did. They came back with Benjamin. We're skipping ahead, Genesis 43, 28 and 31. Then they said, your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. 
and they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And so this is an answer to the dream that Joseph, God gave Joseph that one day your brothers will bow down. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And God is gracious to you, my son. This is a dysfunctional family working things out. Then Joseph hurried out again for his compassion grew, more, grew warm for his brother. And he sought a place to weep. And he entered his cha chamber and wept there. So he's in his private quarters. If you believe forgiveness doesn't come at a cost, you've never forgiven. And you've never been hurt deeply. Then he washed his face and came out and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. Genesis 44, 33, and 34. Judah had taken Benjamin's place because it would wreck their dad if something happened to Benjamin. That's one of the reasons that their dad didn't want Benjamin to go. And Joseph realized they really care about dad. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? They care about dad for the very first time. My brothers have changed. I fear to see the evil that would find my father. I, I just want to give you four quick things so that, so that you kind of know, and I'm going to go through them fast, I'm sorry, uh, so that you know that total forgiveness is demonstrated. It's just here in the text. Total forgiveness is demonstrated to us when someone shows that he doesn't want anyone else to know what we have done to him. Genesis 45, 1 and 2, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those stood by him, and he cried, Make everyone get out from me. I want my brothers to stay. They didn't know that they were brothers at this point. I want all the attendants to get out. I want all the servants to get out. This is between me and my brothers. See, an unforgiving spirit, I want everybody to know what you have done to me, how bad you have hurt me, what you have taken from me. That's an unforgiving spirit. Joseph had a forgiving spirit. Everybody out of the room, it's between us. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it. fact is, the whole household of Pharaoh heard the wailing or the weeping or the emotion that comes out when a relationship is restored, when things change. Second thing is this, total forgiveness wants to make the person feel completely at ease. See, an unforgiving spirit, I want you to know what you have done to me, and I want you to feel as uncomfortable as you can around me. I want you to know what you have done. That's an unforgiving spirit. A forgiving spirit will take people and try to make them feel as ease as you can. Watch what Joseph does, 3 and 4. And Joseph said to the brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? He just wants to make sure. But his brothers could not answer him. I guess so, for they were, were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near. 
Don't be uncomfortable. Don't be ill at ease. I have forgiven you. It's okay. Come near. And they came near. And he says, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Forgiveness is not ignoring the wrong. Forgiveness is not sweeping it under the rug. Forgiveness is not acting like and ignoring it. It's not ignoring the, the, the elephant in the room. Uh, it's not ignoring any of that. I'm Joseph, the one you hurt. I'm Joseph, the one you sold into to Egypt. The third thing is this, total forgiveness will not even allow the person to feel bad or angry with themselves. Total forgiveness. Verse 5, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Man, don't beat yourself up over this. We're in a different place. We're in a different time. You made some poor decisions. It hurt. Why? For God sent me before you to preserve life. Remember, Joseph, my trust is not in man. My trust is in God. And God did not, let's be clear, God did not make them do this. But God can take the bad in your life and turn it to good if you will honor him and if you will follow him and if you will forgive. The last thing is this, total forgiveness is demonstrated when we keep someone's sin hidden from the person who means the most to him. An unforgiving spirit is I'm going to tell the people that mean the most to you what you did to me so they know how bad you are. Watch this, verse 9. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, what would you want him to tell dad? You tell dad how you plotted my murder? You tell dad how you threw me in the, the pit without any food, without any water? You had dinner so I could hear you? You tell dad how you sold me into slavery? Oh, you tell dad for the last 20 years you have lied to him? You have led him to believe that I am dead. You have not only hurt me, but you've hurt dad. What would you, what would you have wanted them to tell dad? Look what Joseph said. This says your son Joseph. God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. God has made me. His trust is in God. God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come into poverty. See, when reconciliation happens, when, when people truly change and when there's mutual change and Joseph forgave and his brothers changed, that's when reconciliation can happen and that's when it's healing the, the, the last thing about forgiveness this morning is this is that I will acknowledge the sovereignty of God in the situation I will come to the place in my life to understand and acknowledge the sovereignty of God in the situation it's not that God caused them 
to sell him into slavery. And it's not that God or, or, or threw him in the pit or whatever. It is this, that God is sovereign and God is in control. And God is bigger than your circumstance. God is bigger than your situation. And God is God. And his trust was not in man. Genesis chapter 50, 20 and 21, the scripture says this. As for you, you meant evil against me. Forgiveness, reconciliation is not ignoring the hurt and not ignoring the pain. You meant to hurt me. But God is sovereign. God meant it for my good. God meant everything that comes into my life is for my good and for my development, if I will honor him. To bring about the, the many people should be uh, kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. So they must have had fear. Do not fear. I have forgiven you, in other words. I will provide for you and your little ones. This is so interesting. Thus, he comforted them. They're still dealing with guilt. They're still dealing with their actions. They're still walking through the process. And spoke kindly to them. When there was a time in their life when the brothers could not speak a kind thing about him. Forgiveness is reaching the maturity and reaching the part to where you're able to forgive. Genesis 45, 14, and 15 then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept for, upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers, what? Talked with him. Reconciliation. Had a meaningful conversation. Wonder what they talked about. Reunion with dad. Kind of like my mom and my sister did all the good times before things went south. And if you think forgiveness is not painful, you have never forgiven someone that has hurt you deeply. Even through forgiveness, someone pays for the injustice. Many, many years back, I helped a guy who showed up on my doorstep and needed some money and I loaned some money to him he never paid me back I could have gone and vandalized his car could have gone and laid hands on him in a non-biblical fashion could have talked horrible about him or I could have chosen to struggle through or walk through the issue of forgiveness. But I could not forgive the individual, watch this, without absorbing the debt. Someone had to absorb the debt. I could not have walked through the forgiveness process without absorbing the debt. In a real sense, I was willing to pay his debt myself so I could forgive him. And the Bible teaches that God is holy. And God is righteous. And God is perfect and without blemish. 
And when we sin against him, a wink, an apology, I'm sorry, will not get it because he's holy and righteous and we owe a debt that we cannot pay. And so God sent Jesus Christ to the cross and he absorbed the debt that I could not pay. So I could be reconciled to him. So that you could be reconciled to him. Forgiveness is this. Being willing to absorb whatever they took from you. The hurt, the pain, the emotion, the debt, whatever. And even though you did that, I'll absorb it, absorb it and I'll forgive you. That's what forgiveness is. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Man, let me ask you this morning. What is God saying to you? I know this is an emotional topic. What is God asking you to do as a result of this message? Not what am I asking you to do, but what is God asking you to do as a result of what you've heard His Word your first step this morning may be you need to accept him and understand that Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay a debt that you could not pay, to absorb your debt. He was perfect. He was without sin. He was without blemish. Like Joseph, you may need to make a commitment today that I am going to forgive I'm going to send forth. I'm going to let go of. I'm not going to allow it to occupy my mind any longer. Maybe like Joseph, you need to make a decision that, you know what? I may need to start working through the process of reconciliation. There's some people in my family. There's some people with some relationships around me. I know they've changed. And they want to reconcile with me, but I will have none of it. And maybe this morning you may need to make a decision that you're going to reconcile with someone, whether you're going to make a phone call, make a visit, write a letter, walk through the process for you, for your freedom, for your release. At the end of every service, we pray for people. It's just what we do here at Fellowship the Rockies. It's become kind of normative for us. And this morning, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you, whether you're going through a difficult time in your life, whether you're, whether you're trying to make a, a decision of which way to go in your life, uh, maybe you're walking through the issue of forgiveness and you just need someone to, to talk to you. You just need someone to pray with. Maybe you need to make a commitment to follow him. Whatever decision you need to make, whatever God is leading you to do this morning, we would just want to pray for you. And so in just a few minutes, we're all going to stand. And as we stand, if you need prayer, we're just going to ask as you stand, you step out, you come down these outer aisles, you come down these center aisles, and you come down the front, we'll have leaders here. Tell them your name. Tell them what you need prayer for, and they would love to pray for you. But I'm praying that some of you get emotionally healed this morning. So in just a few minutes, when we stand up, you step out. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. And Father, we thank you that you forgive each one of us completely. And you don't make us beg for mercy. You don't make us ill at ease. 
You do everything you can to communicate to us that you desire for everyone to be saved and everyone to come to know you. Father, I pray for those this morning that need to forgive. I trust you've already laid it on their heart. They know. And I pray that they would be obedient and follow you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.